Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering for. Welcome into a new episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. It's been a while. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the managing editor. What was my title, Brandon? I don't even remember anymore. It's been so long since I've done this. Say that again. Assistant to the site manager. Ah, there we go. I'm a personal assistant. Fuck this. I quit. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, welcome back to a new show. I'm your host, Dave Melton. We're going to try this again without the sh- chicanery. It's been a while. We've been kind of out in the wilderness waiting to find something to talk to because, uh, as we might be familiar with from past postseason experiences, once your team gets bounced in the first or second round of the playoffs – as the Hawks did this year, you're just kind of waiting for the rest of the league to finish up and then maybe things will start happening for your team. But uh, before we get into all of that, I've got my two usual line mates with me and you've heard them a little bit already. First up, it is the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hi, I'm still covering hockey. Go to hell, Shepard. I, I write for the Vegas, I write for Nights on Ice, which is the Vegas site. So of course I'm still covering hockey. I'll still be covering hockey next round too. We're happy for you. I, I just became We're a We're happy Stars for you. <laughs> and also with us tonight, he is the site manager. And um, I don't know. I think I'd leave him out there if he was giving up three goals and six shots in game one of the Eastern Conference final. It's Brandon Kane. I mean, yeah, that'd be fair. You might figure it out eventually. Figure it out. The other guy gave up five in, yeah, like, was- in what, over what? He gave up, yeah, five goals over the last 50 minutes. So, uh, yeah. Internet for New York goaltenders, much, much better tonight. They're into the third period now, tied up at one. Although Tampa Bay has all of 12 shots on goal. So, I imagine, uh, the Barry Trotz defense, uh, arrived for this one. Cause it yeah. was, I just switched over. I was watching some of the NBA playoffs because the, the, uh, the old Twitter timeline was telling me Boston and Toronto were in the middle of a quite a thing. And, and they were. But now I'm watching, uh, I feel like, I'm really starting to feel like this is Tampa's year. Are you guys getting this feeling? I'm, I've been waiting for them to do this. Like after they lost to the Hawks in 2015, it seemed like they were the inevitable heirs to the throne. And then they haven't been back to the Stanley cup since. Yeah. Just as long as it's not in, Vegas. Right, Shepard? Yeah. Part of, part of that is injury and it, they had their injured again this season with Steven Stamkos, but. Yeah, and I think that's the most fascinating part is that they're doing all this without Stamkos, who I think they said he's just out for this round. So, hypothetically speaking, they make it to the Stanley Cup final. They could have him back, right? 
maybe. I like. There's not a doubt in my mind if they're if they're winning and like they they're winning the Stanley Cup final at like Game Six, they don't put Stamkos on ice for like three minutes just to say he did it. It'd be like the uh, 2005 Frank Thomas situation. 2015 <laughs> Kim Otimanen. Yeah. All right. That that's a better example because it's you know hockey. <laughs> but I guess we'll uh, get talking to some Blackhawk stuff because that's why we have all assembled here on this Wednesday night. Not too much news has happened since the Blackhawks were eliminated from the first round of the playoffs by the aforementioned Vegas Golden Knights. But a little bit of uh, news started to trickle out this week, and one of the things that we wanted to discuss came out earlier on Tuesday, I believe. And that's the news that, according to Scott Powers from The Athletic, they have offered pending unrestricted free agent goaltender Corey Crawford a one-year contract worth about $3.5 million. Now, if you've listened to this podcast at all, I certainly don't have to explain how fond I am of Corey Crawford. I I don't think we need to get into that, but he is 35 years old. He'll be 36 on New Year's Eve this year. And, you know, he's certainly not getting any younger. He had some moments, most notably game three against the – it was game four against Vegas where – he still has those moments where he looks like the Corey Crawford that won two cups and was everything the Hawks needed him to be earlier this year. He's also coming off two seasons where he missed the majority of ice time because of concussion issues. So with all of that in mind, Shepard Price, what were your thoughts when you saw this offer from the Hawks? He's probably going to get one-year offers until he retires, and with Montreal off the board, I can very easily see him going, coming back. And it's a pay cut, but like – you see, you said it. He's 36 years old, and because we'll probably start the season around uh, New Year's Eve, and that's what he's got to take if he wants to keep playing hockey. And I want him to keep playing hockey. It's very hard to find comparables for Corey Crawford because there's not too many 35-year-old goalies with the resume that he has that end yep. up in free agency. Mm-hmm. Unless you, I, I was thinking you had one to interrupt with there, Shepard, because like the first name that came to mind, just like aging goalie towards the end of his career. So my first thought was Henrik Lundqvist, but he's on, he's on year next year will be year seven of his seven year deal he signed back in 2013 when he was 31. Uh, Roberto Luongo was locked up forever. Rick DiPietro was locked up forever. Like all these goalies were on so many long term contracts that, you know, most of the guys that were in their mid 30s were guys that were kind of journeyman goalies that were playing one or two years in like 35 different destinations. Crawford's been with the Blackhawks his entire career. So there's a very limited number of comparables. And I can't, I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head. Um, and Brandon or Shepard, feel free to interrupt me if you think of one, but Jonathan Quick, go ahead. Jonathan Quick, but he signed his deal long-term and he was signed like in his 22. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to find. I mean, Jonathan Quick could be a good comp. When he becomes a free agent, you could compare him to whatever happens with Corey Crawford this summer because his contract, he's still got three seasons left at $5.8 million. And when that contract expires in the summer of 2023, he'll be 37 years old. So, yeah, it'd be, it'll be a good retroactive piece, but it doesn't do much for us now. Yeah. Uh, but before we get too far into that, Brandon, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on this offer. I think the one-year offer makes sense, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes two years. Um, because when Crawford came up, he was a second round pick and he stayed in the minors forever. 
Right, and, four, like four or five full seasons before he got the promotion to the NHL level. Yeah, which, like, he would have been moved along quicker if there wasn't guys ahead of him, you know. And and with uh, the signings of Hobby Bullen and the signing of Huey, and then they brought Antinami over from Europe, and I think they were worried about losing him to waivers or something like that, so they kept Crawford down in the AHL another year when – he might have. They thought he might have been ready sooner. Yeah, so I could see them doing two years now, or doing one and one, and then he's done. Because they could trade up in the draft and get the Russian goalie, or they could go the free agent route and bring a guy in and just like see what happens after a year and then see like what Crawford feels like because he's yeah, been, I, he doesn't want to split starts. He wants to be, you know, the clear cut number one guy. Cause that's when he's the best. Yeah. I can still see Vegas, uh, Chicago bringing in a new backup though. Yeah. Because I don't know how much faith you have in Delia or Kevin Lakin to be the backup for an entire season. I mean, at some point you feel like they need to be given the chance to sink or swim at the NHL level. And Delia got a little bit of a taste of it three or two or three years ago. But I mean, uh, at some point, do you just throw him in the backup role and see what happens? I, I think I need another season from Lincoln in, in the AHL, but I, 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 I think I'd, I don't know yeah. if I'd be able to trust them right now. And the other concern, and this is kind of a bigger picture thing, is if the Blackhawks have – if somehow they're able to put it all together next season and everything's good, and then, you know, Crawford goes down and you're left with Kyle and Delia and Nett, and this might be your team's one last shot at a cup run, do you really want to put all of that on Kyle and Delia's shoulders? Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, so that that's a very big question. Obviously, a very optimistic hypothetical situation, but – I mean, that, I think that is a scenario you can't rule out. And just really quickly, I wanted to throw some names out here. If the Blackhawks decided not to take Corey Crawford as the goalie for next year and let him walk in free agency, some of the other names that are out there are uh, – we'll start with Robin Leonard, although it certainly seems like he's re-signing with Vegas and won't be available. So scratching him off the list, you also have Braden Holtby, Craig Anderson, Jimmy Howard, J- Jacob Markstrom, Thomas Christ, Cam Talbot, Anton Hudobin. Anton Hudobin might be interesting considering what he did in Dallas. So there are options out there, but that'll be an episode later on where we can discuss what other options the Blackhawks could go with as a goaltending if they decide not to bring Crawford back because that's still very much a hypothetical at this point. And, you know, the, the interesting thing with Crawford, the the comments from him were so – or, and he also said this at the end of the regular season when he said that he wanted to be back, but he wanted to – that playing time was his number one thing. So I don't know many other situations where he's going to play more than he will in Chicago because the Blackhawks don't have anybody else that is going to take his job away. Like the one team I think I mentioned on a podcast earlier was I know their goalies were hurt a lot in the postseason, but I'm sure the Colorado Avalanche wouldn't mind having – a goalie of Crawford's caliber to rely on if they make another postseason run next year because it seems like they're going to be doing it every year. But if he goes to Colorado, you've got Grubauer and Pavel Frank, who, however you say his name, 
you know, he's probably going to have to split the nut with those guys similar to the way he did with Leonard in Chicago this year. So I don't know where he gets more ice time than he would in Chicago. So if that's his number one preference, certainly seems like a good match for him. Yeah, if you're an NHL goaltender and you want to work, Chicago's the place to go because you're going to see a shit ton of shots. Yes. The only, I think the only place, like, that you see more shots, you know, if you're an NHL goaltender is if you go, like, on spring break to Cancun. Yep. I was going to make a bar joke. Yeah, I, I figured that's – I thought you were setting up for some terrible pun of some sort. I'm actually a little disappointed that you weren't. The optimistic thing about Lincoln is he had that shoulder issue when he was performing well in like November, December, like when Delia dipped and then Lincoln started to really show up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the optimistic take on that is if he was performing that well with the bum shoulder and then he eventually was just like, I got to get this checked out and looked at and fixed. If he comes back, which he, you know, went through the, summer training camp and went to Edmonton worked with the black aces. If he can perform like he was early on in the AHL season, this upcoming season, it's got to bode well for him in the future. Yeah. I don't think Delia or Lincoln have done anything to rule themselves out as potential future options. I just seems like it's a little premature to suggest that either one of them could be the guy next season, even as the backup. So We'll see what happens. That position though. is thin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of time between now and then. I, I don't know what else there is to discuss with Corey Crawford. I'm sure we'll have uh, whenever the news breaks about whatever the Blackhawks end up deciding to do, which will probably happen within the next month and a half. Like the draft got moved up. It's now on a Tuesday for some reason. Tuesday, yeah, October 6th. It was in the CBA is that. Okay. Well, it just seems weird to have a draft on a Tuesday, but that's what they're doing. And then free yeah, agency the will be moving up on a Tuesday. <laughs> Good one, Brandon. <laughs> uh, so free agency, like in a traditional off season, it's the draft starts, a uh, draft is on the weekend. And then usually within the next week or two free agency opens. So I imagine that means free agency would open sometime in mid October, right? No, it's free agency is like the night, like during the week. It's I think, Thursday is free agency. Yeah, it's always a weird like middle of the day, and I I I got to look up the dates. Brandon, do you have the dates handy, or do I need to Google this? Um, you can Google it. I'm pretty sure it's six seven is the draft, and then the yep ninth is when free agency starts. So free agency will begin October 9th. So with today being September 9th, yeah, we'll probably find out within a month whatever the Blackhawks are going to decide to do with Corey Crawford's future because it it does move very fast as soon as the Stanley cup playoffs end this year, they'll go right into the draft, right into restricted free agency period. And then they'll open everything up and everything will be crazy for about a week. And then the entire league will shut down until whenever it starts next time around. Speaking of restricted free agency, we had a pair of articles come up to one today and the other, the day before the one today was authored by Shepard price talking all about Dylan Strom. Uh, The one the day before was done by yours truly talking about Dominic Kubelik and trying to find comparables to maybe set the market for where the Blackhawks uh, could bring those two back onto the team and how much of a salary cap hit is going to take to do that. So Shepard, I'll let you go first, kind of summarizing 
what your overall takeaway was on where the Blackhawks can fit Dylan Strom at under their very tight salary cap. Yeah. Um, the thing is, like, with, with, with comparable contracts this year, none of those contracts were made with a flat cap, like, with the right. knowledge that, like, so that's, that's a factor to take into account. But even with that said, like, I think the most Strom can hope for being a third center now, he's basically the Blackhawks third line center. Kirby Doc, I think, in the postseason, permanently won that second line position, is like $3 million, which is about of like what Lars Zeller is making. Uh, or $4 million if he goes long-term. I don't think he can make much more than that. And uh, I think he probably – he and his agent probably know that. Um, but the Blackhawks should likely be looking at a two-year, three, $3 million bridge deal to see what he can do long-term and that third-line center role. And I think that's – and from Strom's case too, because you, you're not going to be able to cash in right now based off what you've done in your career to this point. Yep. So maybe you take two or three years – he, he figures out something and he goes to another level. And then, you know, in two to three years, maybe the salary cap's going back up and then he can really uh, cash in on a big payday. Uh, with, with Dominic Kubelik, it, it's kind of a similar situation where it was very tough to find, like try, try and find me a guy that came over from Europe and scored 30 goals in his rookie season. And you may counter with Artemi Panarin, and that's a fair point. But I think Artemi Panarin's ceiling is way higher than Dominic Kubelik's was. Plus, he was two years younger than Kubelik when he came over to the NHL. So Panarin got, I think, a $6 million bridge deal for two years, and that seems way out of the price range for Dominic Kubelik. And the other thought I had was maybe comparing him to Alex Tabrinkit with a similar skill set being snipers, going to score a lot of goals, maybe not a ton of assists, though. Uh, but Tabrinkit had a 30-goal season and then a 40-goal season. He was, I think, 21 or 22 when he signed, he was 22 when he signed his, uh, or excuse me, 21. He hadn't turned 22 yet. Uh, when he signed his contract extension, that's three years, $6.4 million that starts next season. So again, those, those six and 6.4 numbers seem way out of Kubelik's range. But then you go down the list of some other guys, and it, it's hard to find a comparison because so many of the other guys that, got, that had a 30-goal season came after one or two years of building up to that. Kubelik just showed up at the age of 25 and did what he did. So I like few of the ones I threw out there was Victor Arvidsson got a seven year deal, obviously more long-term four and a quarter million uh, annual cap hit. Uh, Ricard Raquel got 3.79 million for six years. Brendan Gallagher got 3.75 million for six years. So what it seemed like those are kind of the high side of what Kubelik's looking for. Given how few games he's played, the fact he only has one season of uh, one season of a sample size to to give you for contract negotiations, it seems like four million is like the absolute ceiling, and it's probably closer to like the the low three range for both for Kubelik and it sounds like for Strom as well. So I, I don't know about you, Shepard, but I was very encouraged as I did all this research because uh, I was really worried that both guys were going to be so far out of the Blackhawks price range that it was never going to work, but three to $4 million and maybe closer to three than four. seems like that could work. Yeah. Especially, especially with the, the with uh, potential buyout uh, that come in this season. Um, of Olimata, just, right? 
No, come on, guys. It's gonna be, it's, it's gonna be Zach Smith. It's gotta be Zach well, Smith. Yeah, no, Zach Smith for Zach Smith seems like a very obvious buyout. Uh, Brandon, you've been quiet. So, uh, what what are your thoughts on all of this nonsense that Shepard and I have been talking about? Well, you guys wrote a lot of words. Well, Shepard wrote more words than I did. Fair. I had a lot of I had a lot of factors to take into account. Yeah, he did. He did. <clears throat> um. Yeah, just echo what you guys said about it being like encouraging to see that the math could work for both of them. Um, and with Strom, there's like the interesting part of like how Andrew Shaw impacts that with the center or playing at wing deal. Um, mm-hmm. Cause Shaw can hop into that if he is to play again. So <clears throat> I don't know like how much that would factor into uh, the negotiation part of it, but as far as Kubalik, it's just like, well, he just showed up and said, here I am. Like, I'm going to score all these goals. Um, and, like, the his shooting percentage will regress, obviously. Like, we saw that with Dabrinkit. Maybe that could play into the Blackhawks' hand to pay him less than what he's asking for. Mm-hmm. To be like, yeah, you scored 30 goals. That's great. We're not really expecting you to do that again. <laughs> yeah, well – and, and and on the other side of that coin, and this was pointed out to me in our comments um, because I didn't – it just – this realization didn't hit me until uh, after I wrote the article, but sh- he scored 30 goals and he only played 70 games. So, I mean, that's a pretty good pace. Like, he could have – theoretically could have got maybe up to the 35 mark, roughly. I don't think he's going to get 40 goals and uh, getting 10 more in those last 12 games, but – I think if you're arguing, you know, if you're Kubalik's agent, I'm sure you're pointing out that, yeah, it was a 30-goal season, but he also didn't get a full 82 games, so maybe he could do even more. Like you said, Brandon, I think that that shooting percentage might come down, but the fact that he has uh, more games to play with suggests that he's got uh, he's got some – There's the ceiling is still – I guess there's more than 30 goals possible for him. It's not uh, not totally out of the question that he can do – even better than he did last season. And I think the other thing that's encouraging was that he went into um, – that he showed up in the playoffs, like that first game in particular against Edmonton when he went – really went nuts and scored five points. Uh, kind of quiet for the rest of the postseason, but um, it's encouraging that he did so well so fast. But uh, just to kind of reiterate, uh, going through the Blackhawks roster, this is an article I wrote on the first of the month, so if you take the players the Blackhawks have under contract for next season, it's 18 players, none of them goalies, and 71 point or just under 71.8 million dollars committed next season, and the salary cap is 81 and a half million. So they've got just under 10 million dollars of cap space. They have to sign at least two goalies, or at least one goalie. They could bring up Lincoln and Erdelia. Um, you got to get Strom and Kubalik in there, and then you got to round out the rest of the roster too. So. There's there's going to be a lot of math for uh, GM Stan Bowman and the rest of the Blackhawks front office this summer. By summer, I mean fall because it's weird in the off seasons in the fall this year. I'm glad that that's not my job because I'm not great at math. <laughs> well, that's what they have calculators for. My, do you think like the NHL guys in the front office? Do you Use think they go to cap friendly all the time like we do? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you don't think they have some better resource than that? I, like, what better resources exist? Like, Cat Friendly's I don't know. really good. Cat Friendly's, like, really, really good for public facing. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe somewhere in the uh, 
maybe they have like an NHL only cap friendly page. Maybe I would, I would not be surprised if like the NHL had like bought, uh, um, rights or like bought, had like an agreement with cap friendly. I, I know Vegas during the expansion draft had, uh, the founder of a, of one of the sites, I think maybe even cap friendly, uh, on their t- on their staff for the expansion draft. We probably shouldn't ignore the fact that the NHL playoffs are still going on. And again, as I'm talking, the Islanders and Lightning are late in the third period, tied at one of a game that, again, uh, Tampa Bay only has 18 shots on goal, which that's got to be a season low for them at this point of a game because they're uh, with the way the way their offense has been. But I guess that would be considered a regression to the mean after scoring eight goals in game one. You two guys, uh, general thoughts on what you've seen in the rounds that have uh, transpired since the Blackhawks were eliminated uh, three or four weeks ago? Thatcher Demko is really scary. <laughs> okay. Although the, like, uh, I think it was Brandon's tweet from uh, the Second City Hockey account about, about all those comparisons of the Canucks being the 09 Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not quite. They're the Canucks are really good, but they're they're all goaltending. It showed clearly at the at, at the end of that series. They they were all goaltending. Yeah, I mean they they definitely got some good young talent with uh, Horvat and Pedersen. But anytime people go like the 09 Blackhawks comparison, I'm like, well, you you better lose some hardware pretty soon. Or yeah, you got you got to get to the Western Conference Final soon. With the Hawks losing, obviously the like your emotional investment disappears a little bit, and it's still there's still that weirdness of no fans in the building. Cause I feel like the way the fans react to everything is such an integral part of the Stanley cup playoff watching experience, just listening to everybody in the building on the edge of their seat and sounding like they're going to pass out every time there's a, a big scoring chance in a key moment. But I mean, it's still been very good hockey. Uh, the Dallas stars are, I don't know where they came from, but they just, I feel like they were the epitome of, and I, I know I've made this analogy before, so I apologize for using it again, but they were like the uh, Gordon Beckham of hockey where every year in the preseason you told me – or somebody wrote an article saying, hey, the Dow Stars are going to be really good this year. And then they'd either bottom out in the regular season or get to the first round of the playoffs and go home immediately. Something clicked for them this year. I'm guessing it was Miro Heiskanen who looks to be terrifying for the next decade. But mm-hmm. uh, I was very surprised to see them – still playing in this year's playoffs because I mean like they were always good but and I never they never struck me as conference final good they're healthy in a year where it's really hard to to be healthy because Colorado Colorado lost everybody basically yeah Um, yeah and that was disappointing because Colorado is a really fun team to watch yeah so they, they they just had luck come their way just staying healthy throughout this whole run yeah even if Tyler Sagan isn't doing shit. <laughs> I know, and that's, yeah. He's so fun to watch, and he's just kind of like there, and it's disappointing because I'm like, you can do the damn thing. Like, do it. Yeah, um, if, you, if you told me that Tyler Sagan was going to have seven, like be like ninth on the team in scoring, I would, and I would have, yeah, figured that that would have been the end of Dallas's postseason after one round. But then uh, Dennis Gurionov out of nowhere deciding to lead the team in goals this postseason. And I Joel also... Kivaranta deciding to have like a critical hat trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I He's going to be the answer to a trivia question because I feel like that might have been the peak moment of his career. No offense to K. 
Kieranto seems like a nice guy, but um, <laughs> also completely forgot that they had Joe Pavelski. Which, hey, which Dave, guess what? So did they. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got he's got twelve points in eighteen games. That's not so bad. I that kind of makes me want Dallas to win though, because I I like I've always liked Joe Pavelski, and I he's that was one player that if he ever if he left San Jose and the Hawks needed a center. I would have loved to have had him in Chicago, but obviously that, that ship has probably sailed now at this point. But um, I missed yeah, the yes chance for the Islanders from the fans. That would have been nice. Yeah. Um, and it's this, like, wave of young defensemen, like, getting their moment in the spotlight yeah. has been really nice because normally it's always the forwards and, like, Oh, this guy who went to Shattenkirk's uh, St. Mary's. Did you say Shattenkirk St. Mary's? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Well well done. I don't even know if you meant to do that, but you didn't. I did. I did. Um, So it's just nice to see, like, Haskin and Theodore McCarr, like. Yeah. Even back in the early round, Seth Jones. Mm -hmm. It just, it's really. It, it gives you a glimpse of what you want uh, Boquist and Mitchell and Bowden to become, but it also is like it, 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 there's there's that concern I have in the back of my head because the Hawks haven't really like developed a defenseman in a decade. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh shit! The Lightning just scored <laughs> seven point eight left. That'll piss you off. <laughs> is, that's the nice thing, isn't it, though? Like when you have no attachment and you just like see a late goal and you're just like, well, this sucks for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not throwing the TV remote through the window or anything. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, and I turned away. I completely missed. Oh, he banked it off of Varlamov's ass. Oh, man, that's got to. This whole shift was dominant from from Tampa, though. Yeah, because I looked away after, uh, it looked like, I think it was Yanni Gord had a pretty good scoring chance and and uh, misfired. So I looked away and then looked back and I saw them celebrating. Oh, oh Nikita Kucherov. Yeah, he's, he's decent in hockey. It was yeah, a butt this, goal? Is that what you uh, said? What'd you say? It was a butt goal? Uh, it, well, it was like Kucherov was like a little uh, lower than the face-off dot and from the angle it hit him in the back and went in. You know, oh, he, that's just, nice. Just look at Twitter. I'm sure there's gifts all over the place. All right. I wouldn't quite call it a butt goal, maybe more of a back goal, but it definitely hit off the backside of the goalie of a Varlamov and went in the net. I think the other thing that I enjoy about this year's postseason is that there's not really any hateable teams. Like, like Boston's gone. The blues are gone. Like I have no negative emotions about most of the, like, I like Ryan Reeves is obnoxious. Um, the Dallas stars got rid of Antoine Roussel. So I don't have to hate them. But like I don't really hate anybody on the Islanders. The Lightning, Lightning usually just I feel bad for them because they they always seem to choke in the postseason. So it's fun to be watching all these teams that are have mostly enjoyable players, except the, the Stars do have Corey Perry. So there is that. The Lightning are the Capitals from two years ago. That's yeah, a solid comparison. I, I I legitimately hope they win this year because I think they've they've been due for a long time, and there's a lot of the guys on that team that are fun to watch and deserve a cup so you can give them some validation for uh, all the success they've had. And, uh, like Jan Ruda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, is Rudy even playing? 
He's no. unfit. Rude, I, I, yeah. I was going to say he has not played a playoff game for them. All right, well, well we're wildly off the rails here because, you know, off season and all that. But uh, we're going to take yeah. a quick timeout when we come back on the other side of this. Uh, we'll talk about some Blackhawks European players really quickly. And, well, then we're really going to go off the rails because we might talk about a completely different sport for a little bit. But uh, come on back and find out about all of that on the other side of this break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back to Musings on Madison, and as promised before the break, I wanted to quickly touch on some news involving a few of the Blackhawks' European prospects, as a few of them have taken off on loans, and uh, it, before you get any concerned about them, uh, about their future with the Blackhawks, I think Brandon Kane can put some of your worries at ease, because uh, it's not a long-term thing, it's more of a temporary thing, and Brandon, if you could kind of explain this to the folks about what exactly the situation is here. Yeah, so... Pia Suter, um, Chalupa, Khrushchev, Soderlund, and Tepley have all gone to European leagues in their home countries. And all five players will play for those teams until Chicago's training camp begins. And the tentative start date for the season, for the 2020-21 NHL season, is December 1st. Obviously, that might get pushed back. Um, but as of right now, training camps are slated to begin November 17th. So you would guess whenever it's finalized of the season start date, just rewind two weeks. And that's when training camps will begin. And those five players will make their way back to, or I guess make their way to North America, to Chicago for training camp. Um, so you have, Suter and Kershev in Switzerland. Uh, Kershev will be playing in the first division, and then Suter will be in the second division. Uh, it's the Zurich team that Suter played for last season, but it's their affiliate in the second division that he'll be suiting up for. And Chalupa and Tepley will be in the Czech Republic's first division, and then Soderlund is in Sweden's second division, and there's other pro NHL prospects that are being sent to the second division um, in various leagues. So it's not like these players are lesser that they're being sent to the second division instead of the first division in these countries. So there you go. It's, I think it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good option to get these guys, you know, it, it'll help them stay in shape, maybe improve some skills, boost some confidence. I don't see anything about it. That's potentially a bad thing. And then you bring them back over to America, or I shouldn't say, well, in this case, it's America, but the league also goes into Canada. But just bringing them back to the NHL already at full speed with the way uh, everything's, uh, the schedule works out, I don't see any negatives about it. It might actually be advantageous to be warm 
Yeah, I, I mean, guys like Kurashev and Suter who are going to be looking to grab roster spots this fall slash winter, whenever it is, I think that gives them a, a leg up over some of the uh, guys on that NHL-AHL cusp, of which the Blackhawks do have many. And we can dive more into that in two to three months when it's more of a real thing. But before we do all that, let's um, – the other big thing in the sports world starting this – Actually, it starts tomorrow night or later tonight. If you're listening to this on Thursday, the NFL season's going to kick off here soon. And as the uh, devoted Bears fans that Brandon and I are, well, I don't know if devoted is the right word for – Brandon, w- would you call yourself a devoted Bears fan or a uh, reluctantly have to be a Bears fan and punished by it for the rest of your life? You don't have to be. <laughs> yes, you do. I don't think I'm punished for it by the rest of my life. I just realized that they've only won six playoff games since I've been alive and they're a waste of my time. But I also watch Chicago Fire soccer games. So, I mean, what am I talking about? <laughs> it's, it's yin and yang, Brandon. Everybody yeah. needs to – we had the, the great run the Blackhawks had the first half of the 2010s. The Bears had to bring us back down to reality every season afterwards. Um, every season. And it's also worth noting that they opened the season this Sunday against Shepard Price's Detroit Lions, which explain to me again, how the hell are you a Lions fan? I was a Patriots fan, and then I was a Broncos fan, oh. and then I was a Lions fan. So uh, how, I, wh- I really, you- really – I so I'm, I'm a players guy. It's why, okay. I'm, it's why I'm a Houston Rockets fan right now is because I'm a Russell Westbrook guy, and I okay. just root for the, whatever team Russell Westbrook's on. I was a Wes Welker guy. Uh, that was my first guy. And then he went That's from cool. the Patriots to – Broncos, best slot receiver of all time. Uh, went from Bron- the Patriots to the Broncos, and then like Broncos went off into space from there. Um, and the 2014 Lions defense was fantastic. And then they got robbed, and that sort of robbery enamors you to a team forever. So, so it was a, a fandom forged in heartbreak. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to yes. life as a Bears fan. All right. So, so who's going to win Sunday, Shepard? I mean, it's it's two teams that I, I saw one prediction today had the Lions at six and ten and the Bears at three and thirteen. So obviously, everyone's expecting great things out of both teams. So, so start us off, Shepard. Who, who's going to win Sunday? Uh, I think the if it, the the like ah, it sounds Maybe like for you those, to say with, with those season records, it sounds like the Lions are going to take it, but. I think the Lions are going to be better than that, but I don't know how much better than that. If they go eight and eight, I think I'd be happy. I don't see where this eight, or excuse me, I don't see how you could look at the Bears roster and tell me they're going three and thirteen this year. I like they play. They had. I, I think. I think you could have. To, I think you. I think you look at the QB situation and it's like they oh, had the same. They had a worse QB situation last season, and they still won eight games or seven games, however many they won. Maybe your defense, uh, like, regressed. I, I mean, the defense will be better because Akeem Hicks will be back. I, I struggle. I, I saw a 3-13 prediction for the Bears, and just that just floored me. Like, how do you think this team's going to suck that bad? I'm not yeah. going to tell you they're going to win 13 games, but 3-13, really? I've seen shitty 3-13 Bears teams. I know what they look like. This is not that team. I also don't think that both of the other teams in the division will be better than both of these teams. I don't think the Packers are going to be very good this season. Yeah, everyone uh, – I like. I feel like the Packers could be – Aaron Rodgers could just decide he hates his coach again and just quit for the rest of the season. And 
I don't know. What is Kirk Cousins inspired confidence in anybody ever? He walked, he walked by and yelled at the media one time after a game he happened to win. And now everyone, and other than that, there's nothing remarkable. Everything that Kirk Cousins has done that has been remarkable has come away from the football field. And then one lucky ass pass against the Saints when a, a DB decided to dive out of bounds instead of tackling Stephon Diggs. Was that even him? I thought that was the that other. was Case there, Keenum, right? Yeah, it was Case Keenum. Okay, so yeah, Kirk Cousins sucks. So if you're going to tell me the Bears are going to suck because their quarterback isn't any good, I don't see what Kirk Cousins is going to do for you either. Brandon, what about you? Are, are you seeing a shitty Bears team this year? Because I'm not – I don't – again, I'm not going to call them Super Bowl contenders, but 3-13 and 13 seems beyond underselling them. The Bears will be good when their owner dies and they have a new one. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Well, Ouch. that'll do it for this Ouch. episode. Ouch. You sound like uh, us talking about the Blackhawks in about 2007. So, Six wins in 30 years. I mean, what are, you, what, yeah, what are, we, what are we talking mean, about here? Maybe, maybe they win seven games. Maybe really? they win... 10 games. That's my kind of range that I'm looking at this year. Okay. Thank you for validating me about the uh, not being three and 13 though. But like outside of the bears, like in it, basically outside of the NFC North, I have no idea who's good, who's bad. Like I, I assume the chiefs are good again because they, the Ravens are going to be good again. Who? The chiefs, the, the Ravens are going to be good oh, yeah. again. The chiefs yeah. are going to be good again. The I think the Cardinals are going to be good. Number four running back. Huh? The Ravens have JK Dobbins as their number four running back. I think they'll be good. Yeah. Is JK Dobbins really that good or something? I know they also have Mark Ingram and a couple other guys, but. Justice Hill. Yeah. Okay. They'll be, they'll be fine. I didn't know that J.K. Dowling's being number four on your depth chart was so indicative of a great one, two, and three, though. That's the point I was getting at there. Should I have drafted him in fantasy football? Is that what you're telling me? It depends on the health of the three guys ahead of him, probably. But, yeah, I yeah. mean, like, I'm, the Patriots are a massive question mark because they don't have Tom Brady for the first time since Shepard was born, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Shepard, what year were you born? 1995, so All five right. years before. So not, yeah, not that far off. And, and now, like, everyone seems to be convinced that Tampa Bay is just magically going to stop sucking like they've done for the last 10 years because Tom, Tom Brady Brett. showed up. I'm Tom not so Brett. sure about that. Um, I mean, it's Tom Brady plus, like, the other weapons he brought with him. Gronkowski. I mean, Leonard Fournette is still a really good running back. It's just, like, is he a fantasy running back? No. I mean, you think the Bears have sucked. The Tampa hasn't made the playoffs since 2007. Yeah, but their head coach is pretty pretty new. I mean, yeah, Bruce Arians Arian cool, but, I mean, the last playoff the game they won was the fucking 2003 Super Bowl, so. Right, there's always a time to change that, and that time to change that is probably when the best quarterback of all time rolls into your arena. Yeah. Oh, uh, what? Yeah. Tom Brady's easily the best quarterback of all time. What are we doing here? Oh, Jesus Christ. That's Joe Montana. No, it's Tom Brady. No, it's not. This will be the year he proves it's Tom Brady. I, I really, really, there has never been a year where I've, I've wanted Tom Brady to fail more and one of the Patriots to actually be good. Cause I, I got sick of Tom Brady about three, four years ago when all this TB 12 shit started coming out. So I hope Tampa Bay goes one in 15 and 
New England goes 16 and 0 with Cam Newton and wins another Super Bowl. I actually want the Patriots to be good this year because I would rather have Bill Belichick be validated as a good coach than I, than having Tom Brady validated as whatever he is as a quarterback. Yeah, if that like if the, if what you ha- if what you say happens, uh, it's definitely the, the, the narrative will definitely be that Bill Belichick's the greatest head coach of all time. But if if the both teams are good, it's going to be that Brady is perfectly fine on his own as well. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm at the pro football reference website with like all 32 teams listed on my screen, trying to remind myself, I don't remember, like, I know Houston traded away DeAndre Hopkins. So that's probably a bad idea. Trading away, like one of the top five receivers in the league. Um, Mm -hmm. Cleveland will probably suck because, well, that, (laughs) that story, that's never too far off from the truth. Um, Are the Raiders going to be any good? Probably not. Uh, no. No, and they're not, and that that means they're, they're they will doom themselves in Las Vegas. Yeah, there can only be one good Vegas team, I guess. Um, uh, the Rams still have Jared Goff, so probably just good enough to break your heart. You know, maybe this will be a, uh, one of those weird years where Seattle comes out of nowhere and wins the Super Bowl because they seem to be good at that. They're, they're due for it. another one, right? They haven't. Well, yeah, they only got one Super Bowl, I guess. So maybe I'm overselling that, but. They've been they've been pretty often. Two thousand five, um, thirteen, fourteen. I don't know. I mean, I think it's nice that there's like no real expectations because there was no preseason. There's no like OTAs and all that garbage. Which just like these guys had two months where they were just like together with their team practicing. So it's like, how sloppy is this football going to be? Oh, it's going to be ugly. Week one's going to suck. <laughs> is it just going to be Maction? Because that'd be delicious. I'm – yeah, I, I don't know what, like, the conventional wisdom is in football where if uh, the teams are both rusty, if the defense or the offense has the advantage, I feel like tackling could be really bad this weekend. Oh, the tackling's always bad if you're a Detroit Lions fan? Oh, it's going to be bad. <laughs> it's going to be bad this week. Yeah. And then it, David Montgomery's just going to run for, like, 300 yards. Yeah, I believe that. I do not trust our defense. But it's another year where everyone will try. Someone's going to try and convince me that the Detroit Lions are going to go like twelve and four and win the division. Which I don't know. I I developed a profound hatred of the Detroit Lions over the last decade or so because, like, there, there was one good year enough. Year. We're not good enough to earn profound hatred. How dare yeah, but, you? But that that's exactly the point. Like they've sucked every year. And every like they they always get hyped up because oh they have Matt Stafford and oh they had Calvin Johnson like you've wasted two fucking generational talents. How much more evidence do you need that this entire organization sucks? Sorry, Shepard, I'm trying not to be too harsh. No, I I understand we wasted two. But there was there was one year it was like the mid late 2000s where John Kitna came out and said this was going to be like a 10 or 12 one team, and I think they went four and 12 that year. And it just and and there was another year where it was in the early 2010s where I actually went to a Bears game in Detroit and Louis Delmas was the safety at the time who was fine but he his introduction was like a three-ring circus like Ray Lewis used to do in Baltimore like Ray Lewis went into the Hall of Fame Louis Delmas might have made a Pro Bowl and he got this introduction like he was like the next coming of Ronnie Lott at safety and then they gave up 40 points to Devin Aroma Shadu and Jay Cutler so I don't know. I just, I really really got sick of the Detroit Lions. Can you tell? No. No. I think the Detroit Lions just don't even like register on my radar. 
Like if you were to make a list of like, you were to say like, Hey, make a list of 32 NFL teams. Detroit lions would be like in that 25 to 32 range where I'd have to like think that they actually exist. That's fun for me to find out. Do you know what the last year that it was that the Lions won a playoff game? This uh, 20, 2014, if they don't pick up that goddamn flag. <laughs> that was a penalty. You called the penalty correctly. Don't pick up the goddamn flag. 2014. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad that you have that painful memory. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, that, to be fair, that was against the Dallas Cowboys, and I think I actually wanted the Lions to win that game because I think I hate Dallas more than I hate Detroit. So. I just don't hate, like, NFL teams, so I don't know. Um, but to answer the question, it was 1991. So, so just when you think the Bears might suck, oh, buddy. Oh, I'm going to freak out the first playoff when I see it as a Lions fan. Yeah. And yeah. it just might be in 20 years. They've lost eight playoff games in a row, and they haven't yeah. won since 91. God damn. I feel better about being a Bears fan now. You know, this was this was therapy. This was good. This was good for me. Uh, it might have been good for Brandon Shepard. I'm sorry. Uh, at least you got Vegas and, and yeah. the old Knights, not the Raiders. So, so again, life's all about balance, kids. Sometimes you got to have some shitty teams to make up for your good teams. Being a Blackhawks fan in the last decade certainly makes up for being a Bears fan my entire life. But also, the White Sox are going to win the World Series, so that's cool too. Yep, that's going to be fun. That's gonna be this is, it's gonna be a fun year when they don't want to do that. I that, that yeah, maybe we need to do a, a baseball postseason episode because I it's gonna be really fun. And I, I I hold no ill will against the Cubs and haven't for a long time. Like, I think once I got to about 18, I'm like, well, this Cub Sox thing is really stupid. Why do we do this? So it's been really fun to watch both teams be very, very good at baseball again. And uh, I say all these nice things now, but if they meet in the World Series. Forget COVID. That's going to be the downfall of the city of Chicago is a Cub Sox World Series. Um, so hopefully, uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Uh, oh, it would be it'd be it'd be super fun to watch a Cubs White Sox World Series where Aloy Jimenez because he was one of the guys we got from the Cubs. But they're uh, the, like they're talking the, about. The sorry, MVP. go ahead. Is it where Aloy is the MVP? It it would be hilarious. It would be hilarious if uh, Aloy hit a key home run off Jose Quintana at some point, right? Yep, it'd be uh, fantastic. Brandon got awfully quiet about all this. Huh? It's baseball. I've seen a I've seen a World Series win. Kind of yeah. content. Yeah, me too. But apparently, uh, as I'm reminded all the time, it didn't happen. Just ask ESPN. Um, that's your problem. Just watching ESPN for non games. <laughs> hey, I watch them for games, and then you're fine. No, Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt is like almost is borderline must watch for me. It's that entertaining. His bad beat segment on Monday night reminds me of why I will never bet on sports because it's the way that people lose money in on those betting lines is hilarious. But that mainly happens with shooty hoops though. So you just don't bet on shooty hoops. Oh, and there's so, and college football, college oh, football yeah. has some of the worst ones. The, uh, the pitchy pitchy woo woo, as they describe it on that show, the, which the better one is with uh, the montage version with uh Northwestern and Ohio State, when Northwestern tried to pitch it back 19 times on the kickoff as time expired, Ohio State scooped and scored and covered the spread. Yeah, I, that's exactly why you shouldn't bet on nerds. college football. Rich nerd or nerds with disposable income, or, or maybe not. I don't know. 
Yeah, we, we've definitely gone way off the rails here, so uh, I, I think we should probably bring this in before it goes any further off the tracks. Uh, Brandon Shepard, any final thoughts? Let's go Vegas. Good for you. Brandon? You know, I would like the Islanders to win, but I'd be okay with any of the four teams winning the thing. I agree wholeheartedly because, as I said earlier, there's 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 a couple players here and there that are dislikable, but I think it, overall this is – as unhateable as a four-team conference final round, I can remember the NHL playoffs mainly because Boston's usually there somewhere, or uh, or the Canucks for a while. But uh, yeah, this it's been it's been fun to just watch and not have so much hate flowing through my veins. It'd also be just interesting to see them like raise the banner at their new building in front of no fans. <laughs> yes, it, that would be it would be interesting. I, that's the other thing I was thinking with the Cubs Sox World Series because they're talking about doing hub cities for the MLB playoffs. Like, if the Cubs and Sox make it, shouldn't they just like change the rules and just bring it to Chicago just yep. because? Yep, that's exactly what they. That's I mean, exactly what they should. That's exactly what they should have done from the beginning. They should have made Chicago the baseball bubble. I mean, just kick the Bears out for two weeks and and play it at Soldier Field somehow. You can put a baseball field in there. I'm, eh, yeah, 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 probably could. not enough room. No, there's definitely enough room because, like, they've done it in the Raiders stadium. Just put it on that uh, that Lincoln Yards development that they've been trying to do for, force through for two or three Aww. years. Just throw some grass down there and let them play baseball. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of a midpoint between the north side and the south side. It's a little more north than south, but that'll work. <laughs> you don't like that idea, Brandon? No, I just, like, groaned at that area that you mentioned. <laughs> oh, well. All right. Well, let's get out of here before we say anything else stupid. Uh, So thank you very much for listening to this episode of Musings on Madison. Uh, Stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com. If any news breaks about the Blackhawks, we'll write about it there. Uh, Follow us all on Twitter. Rate, review this podcast. Subscribe if you want. Uh, We appreciate any of the feedback we can get. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for new episodes and new content at the website. And uh, go Bears, I guess. I think that'll do it. For Brandon, for Shepard, I'm Dave. But we also have to remember, go on.